You've heard the phrase, representation matters, haven't you? What does the lack of proper cultural representation look like? I was maybe five and my sister was six. My parents were driving us back from our grandparents' house on the Navajo Reservation. We saw a couple of teepees set up near a house. My sister and I both jumped up with excitement and said, Look! Teepees! Let's stop there and see the Indians. Our mom and dad said, You're both Indians. You're our Navajo, Diné. My sister and I disagreed. No, we're not Indian. We don't jump around and say, Hey, Naya, or how. We don't join war parties or raid settlers. We're not drunken Indians who drink fire water. Can you guess where two little res girls would get the idea of that type of Indian? Us res kids were people who grew up on the reservation set up by the United States government. I've searched and found where proper representation can happen. There was the movie Thunderheart that came out in 1992 with Graham Greene and Val Kilmer. The movie Powell Highway was released in 1988. Dance Me Outside was released in 1994. The Outlaw Josie Wales was released in 1976 and has Clint Eastwood and Chief Dan George. These are just the few that we've watched growing up. I'm excited that there have has been better cultural representation in, telev in television with reservation dogs. Sadly, Peacock canceled Rutherford Falls. We hear about diversity at work, school, maybe church, and in daily conversations we might have with one another. The lack of diversity may go unnoticed if what you watch, participate in, or your social groups you are part of reflect your own ethnicity or cultural background. Diversity needs to be seen. It's nice to see diversity in television and films. It's also much better to be included in a community that values diversity. In that light, for this series, we wanted to bring back a beloved segment. During the pandemic, we did Cooking with Catalyst video where JR taught us to make pasta while talking about the nature of good. I invited JR and Nathan to visit me so I could teach them how to make Navajo tacos which is a dish that is a staple of native culture all over the country. Enjoy. Believe it or not, we're only a couple of weeks from the beginning of Advent. Traditionally here at Catalyst, we've used these four weeks to revisit our core values. A few years ago, our leadership team brought new core values to the congregation that we believe better specify who we are and what we're about as a congregation. They are friendship, diversity, transformation, and curiosity. We believe these four words embody who God calls us to be as a congregation to help us look ahead to next year. Our first core value is friendship. At Catalyst, we believe friendship is the heart of Jesus's good news. Today, we're exploring our second core value, diversity. The Cambridge Dictionary defines diversity as the fact 
of many different types of things or people being included in something, a range of different things or people. By definition, diversity of people does not occur unless different people are included in something. Inclusion of people is inviting the culture around us. Last year, I explained that diversity could look like different cultures, ethnicities, and LGBTQ plus communities who are gathered together in a particular place and time. This composition of diverse groups could be seen in day-to-day encounters in the communities we live in and interact with. The church is continually critiqued for not doing a very good job of having a diverse community. What Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King explains in his lecture at Western Michigan University is still true today. The church is still the most segregated major institution in America. At 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, when we stand and sing and Christ has no east or west, we stand at the most segregated hour in this nation. This is tragic. End quote. Why? Would including people who may not look like us in church matter? Church is not referring to a building, but a representation of God's people gathered together symbolically, representing the body of Christ. Turn with us to Luke 14. The passage today comes from the book of Luke. Luke's gospel highlights social settings of fellowship, meals, eating, and the table. Luke tells of how inclusion in each of these settings are important to Jesus's life and ministry. Luke 14 tells the story of when Jesus is invited to eat at a Pharisee's home and reveals the behavior of those who are at the table. Most commentaries describe what fellowship that occurs around the table as important. Table fellowship around the dinner or banquet table has social, political, and financial implications to a person standing in society. Table fellowship also has religious meaning for Jewish people and the early church. Guests and hosts had to observe social practices and etiquettes that were appropriate to show their character. Let's read Luke chapter 14, verse 7 to 24 about Jesus's table fellowship with his host and others who have been invited to share a meal together. When Jesus noticed that all who had come to the dinner were trying to sit in the seats of honor near the head of the table, he gave them this advice. When you are invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone who is more distinguished than you has also been invited? The host will come and say, give this person your seat. Then you will be embarrassed and you will have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. Then you will be honored in front of all the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then he turned to his host. When you put on a luncheon or a banquet, he said, 
Don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will invite you back, and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then, at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, What a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied with this story, A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I just have bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, Go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, There is still room for more. So his master said, Go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. The word of the Lord. Jesus is at the Pharisee's house as a guest and notices notices that there are a few things going on at dinner. Jesus first points out that the guests were trying to seat themselves where they felt they should be in this social setting. Like, ah, yes, I'm a distinguished gentleman. I'm a distinguished lady. I should be sitting at the table where I am VIP. But Jesus says, no, don't do that. You might embarrass yourself if someone more distinguished comes to the table. Jesus says, sit at the lowest area of the table where the host will see you and say, look at this distinguished gentleman. Look at this distinguished lady. Look at the way he he is sitting. Ah, yes, very distinguished, I see. The host will then move you to the place of honor to the VIP section. Jesus also sees that the host has invited specific people of friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors. The host has gathered a specific group of people who are close as friends and family, as well as influential and well-to-do people among the community. The host has a sort of quid pro quo attached to the dinner. The dinner is either being used as a footing to place the guests in the depth of the host. The guests are specific to where they can return the favor of the host. Jesus tells the host that the people who cannot repay their generosity should have been invited. Even in Jesus' day, hosts observe social protocols. Hosts were gauged on if they were friendly, generous, gracious, and welcoming. The hosts worked to ensure that their guests were taken care of. Most commentaries note that Jesus is speaking up against social hierarchy and reciprocity among the wealthy. This is happening and it is important 
the hierarchies and things that divide society need to be broken. Dr. Justo Gonzalez has an interesting lens for the text. He says Jesus is being a disturbing guest, pointing out to those who present that there is the new order of the kingdom, which reverses the present human order. End quote. Social standings and honor and are not to be sought after. It goes beyond social status. Jesus also challenges the Pharisees to welcome people they would see as unworthy and religious. Dr. Gonzalez says, quote, Jesus is rejecting both social and religious conviction. One could say that Jesus is telling his host to invite not the worthy, nor even the worthy poor, but the unworthy, ill-religious, sinful people, end quote. Are we willing to welcome to the dinner table those the world and church sees as unworthy, Ill- irreligious, and sinful people? Let's return to worship and celebrate the God who invites all of us to the same table. I love being a host. As much as I am an introvert, I love to throw parties and invite as many people to celebrate whatever the occasion may be. I invited my neighbors to come and eat when we were done recording the Navajo taco making portion. I had 15 or more people over to join in our meal and fellowship with my out-of-town guests. There's so much to being a host. Do you have enough food? Will there be games or entertainment? What will be the treats for the guests to take home? Will there be enough space for everyone to feel comfortable? Who doesn't want their guests to feel welcomed? My son's second birthday was held at a local park in Flagstaff, Arizona. I was so excited for him turning two. I made sure that I had plenty of food and refreshments. I've even made sure that I purchased ribeye steaks and us Navajos also try to have mutton for celebrations. Mutton or sheep is like a gift to our guests to eat. It's a park, so there's other people there. Family and friends were talking to one another, but we were also talking to random strangers at the park. Some people came to the Ramada and we were under and began preparing a plate of food. I couldn't turn them away just because I didn't know them. I felt weird if I did. I told them to sit at the table with us. Some were our unsheltered relatives or what some might call homeless. We were actually happy they joined us and even handed out treat bags and snacks before they left. At the end of the party, when we were cleaning up, a few commented on why I didn't turn them away. I said, we had plenty of food and isn't that what Jesus tells us to do? This birthday celebration is one that taught me how I need to rethink how I see my unsheltered relatives in the community I was part of. It's challenging to set tables and include different people. I like the Cambridge Dictionary's definition of diversity as the fact of many different types of things or people being included in something. 
how do we include people if we as a church have a quid pro quo to the service or programs we have in place? Some Christian food, um, some Christian run food banks and meal centers will not feed the unsheltered and hungry until they sit in the church service to hear about Jesus. There's also shelters who will not allow certain people of color to access their programs and services because of the stereotypes they have of them. I've heard pastors, church leaders, and Christians ask, what is an acceptable time frame to no longer be hospitable if someone doesn't accept Jesus or join their church? Hospitality can be unappreciated. That probably stinks. But just because someone doesn't pay your handout or kindness back by attending your church is no reason to take back your invitation to the table gathering. Should there even be an etiquette place on the people who the world and the church sees as unworthy to accept their friendship and handouts? Who decides who deserves an invitation to God's table? Jesus shows us that diversity in the church is welcoming those who are deemed unworthy by society and religious people. There are groups of people who have been told or have felt unworthy and can't even imagine sitting at a table as a guest of honor. How must a worker feel to sit with his employer at the table? How must our unsheltered relatives feel to sit with those who have homes to return to? How must an immigrant feel to sit with citizens of the country? Dr. Gonzalez explains that it will take persuasion and probably even some pressure to get people to accept such an unexpected invitation. They will have to be compelled. The power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ compels you. Maybe we all need an exorcism to remove the demons that have been haunting us and telling us are unworthy. When I think about the table Jesus has prepared and has taken control of includes all people who felt that the table could never have the likes of them. The religious people who said, you need to look like this to enter are no longer in control. No longer is there just a white Jesus. There's the brown, immigrant, poor, no earthly home Jesus who welcomes us to come and dine. Thank you, Catalyst family, for inviting me to sit with you at in the midst of a pandemic, you expanded your table to invite me and others who may be felt unworthy by the world or other religious people. The next few months will include many celebrations that occur around the table. Sometimes people have been hurt at the table, whether by family, estranged relatives, once friends, acquaintances, strangers, and leaders. There will be some people who will need to be compelled to know that God loves them and there is a banquet table that brings about healing, restoration, and reconciliation. May you all think about what the core values at Catalyst mean in this space 
are part of. Friendship, diversity, transformation, and curiosity. Pastor J.R. reminded us last week, we believe these four words embody who God calls us to be as a congregation. Let's be God's people who embody this to the people who may feel unworthy and can't even imagine sitting at a table as a guest of honor. Enter, sit, relax, eat. Have a Navajo taco that I have prepared for you. Let's share in the feast of celebration that all are worthy to sit at God's table. Uh, Friends, I just want to reiterate Sonia's invitation to this table. Uh, The table that Jesus prepared for his disciples the night before he was crucified is the table that we all get to share in today. And Sonia pointed out that uh, no one is unworthy of this table because Jesus has declared us worthy. Uh, he is the one, he is the master in the parable, right? When, when no one came who, who went out into the uh, surrounding country and brought anyone and everyone. So the only thing that can keep us from this table is our own refusal to accept God's invitation. Uh, before we come to the table today, I'm going to invite you to participate in a prayer of examine. I'm going to give you some questions and give you some space, some silence to reflect on those and to pray through those with God. And then I'll pray for all of us together, and then we'll receive communion together. So here's the first question I want you to consider as we move into prayer. Think about the week that has brought you here. When in the last week have I enjoyed the fruits of a diverse community? Now, when in the last week have I resisted celebrating everyone who's part of God's family? Now, um, in thinking about the week that's ahead of us, and I didn't even actually like to take Sonia's uh, suggestion, we have several feasts coming up ahead of us, right? Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, um, in the next couple of months. So even just think about the, the time that's ahead of us beyond this next week. Um, are there times in this, in this season ahead that I might want to resist uh, acknowledging and celebrating everyone having an equal spot in the family of God or, or in my life?
And finally, how can I celebrate diversity? How can I pursue that? How can I chase that in the coming weeks and months? Pray together. God, thank you for the privilege we have of being gathered today. And I, and I can't help but think of the guy in the parable who, after Jesus had made everyone uncomfortable, tried to smooth it over by saying how, how great it's going to be to feast in the kingdom of God. But he was right. Uh, what a beautiful privilege it is to be gathered around this table. What an incredible honor it is to be collected with people from every culture every background around the world, and not have to sacrifice those things, but have those things honored and respected and acknowledged and uplifted because you are such a creative uh, God who makes us all so different from one another and then calls us together not to be the same, but to be a glorious community of people who are all so different. Uh, how, how incredibly cool that is. And what a deep honor and privilege it is to be part of a church that celebrates that. We confess that that's hard. We have a culture that presses against that, um, that would rather that we settle for tokenism uh, and, uh, you know, uh, rather than doing the real deep work of what it takes to be authentically the diver uh, diverse, the way he created us and called us to be. So we confess that this is still something that we struggle with. We confess that we need to have our imaginations expanded. We confess that we need more. And so we come to your table this morning. And as we receive these elements, we pray that they would be a spiritual food, that in receiving them, uh, we would receive the grace that we need to be your people. And that includes being a diverse people in an authentic and true and deep way. Thank you again for inviting us to this table. Thank you for for. Uh, smashing away any excuses that we might have or any insecurities that we might have that would keep us from this table. Thank you for making it 0% about what we have done or what we can do and 100% about who you are and who you say that we are. We love you and we receive this meal now in the name of your son, Jesus. The night that Jesus was betrayed, he shared this meal with his disciples and during that meal, he broke bread and he gave it to them and he said, this is my body broken for you, take it and eat it. When the meal was finished, he gave them a cup of wine. And he said, this is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Take it and drink it. And so now we, we too eat and drink. And as we do, we remember Jesus' death until he returns.